0: Yeah, I could watch that all day. I love that so much. Yeah, Bible School. That was Vacation Bible School this past week. It was a 1,000 degrees every single day this week. Uh, we had uh, something just a little bit less than 200 kids every night. Uh, by less than what I mean like 197, 192, something like that of just children. 80-something workers every night. Uh, a number of decisions made. At our church, we really try to be very careful and intentional about leading kids to Christ. Uh, Just to be honest as pastor in my years, I've had way too many adults say, you know, Pastor Tim, I I got saved at Bible school. I walked down with my friends. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I don't want any of our kids to ever become adults who say I got saved at Bible school and didn't know what I was doing. So we wanna make sure that our kids know the gospel are ready to make commitments to Christ. So we do that slowly. I know that there are two, uh, solid commitments made by some of our older boys, and we'll follow up with the others uh, in the in the days and weeks to come. Nicole Buckman is our amazing children's pastor. She puts a whole lot into everything. She has green hair today because she loves Jesus and your kids. So if you get a chance to thank Nicole, make sure you thank her. She's right there, so let's thank her right now. Yeah. Did you wear the green blouse to go with the green hair, or when you have green hair, do you try to match your hair or you just go with with what happens? Nicole, thank you, it was a phenomenal week and and we thank you so much. Open your Bibles to the book of James. Let's talk about prayer. As we talk about prayer, I want you to uh, add to your prayer list, a teenager in our church, his name is Andrew Flynn. Andrew had a swimming accident late, late last week. He's been in Vanderbilt. Um, in in really serious condition, but his signs of improvement are are now beginning to show. uh, It seems he has some compression fractures in his spine, um, but uh, again, showing some really good signs of recovery. So keep Andrew Flynn in your prayers. Andrew is one of the toughest kids I know. He is an awesome kid, loves Jesus. He's a volunteer fireman in high school. Um, So again, just an extraordinary young man who loves Jesus, so pray. For, uh, for Andrew's complete healing. We love you, brother, if you're watching. Uh, James chapter five, let, let's talk about prayer. Uh, growing up, 1 Thessalonians five seventeen was probably the first verse that I read or heard about prayer. And it just sort of confounded me as a child. In the old King James, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing, you remember that? Pray without ceasing. So I remember asking my mama, what in the world is ceasing? What is ceasing? And she explained to me that it simply means to pray without stopping, never stop praying. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, one of the shortest and most interesting verses about prayer, never stop praying. As a child, that blew my mind because I had a very churchy idea of what prayer was, and I tried to imagine myself, you know, going through life, you know, without ever, you know, opening my eyes and without ever ceasing from prayer, and so taking it literally in that way, I couldn't really understand what the verse is telling us. Now, as an older man, now I've come to understand that you can get into trouble if you take this literally, but it's probably more dangerous if you don't take it literally. I think we're expected to pray without ever stopping. I remember talking to an uh, a mature Christian believer, an older man back in the day, and, and I was talking about this verse and how I'd, impossible it sounded to me. And this old brother, just simply said that uh, he said that the believer has to stay in an attitude of prayer the same way that a bird is always in the attitude of flight. It's really interesting to me because you've ever seen a bird, I mean, birds are not literally always flying, right? But if you ever see a bird on your driveway or a bird on a post or on a branch, you clap your hands and that bird can fly. I mean, you know, so, so whether or not they're in constant flying motion, they are always quick to fly always in an attitude of flight and your heart should have that same attitude toward prayer. You should be quick to the father. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm not suggesting you go through life with your eyes closed and your hands folded. I am suggesting that prayer is not just something you do and then you don't do and then you do and then you don't do. Prayer is literally a way of being in the world. It is a way of of life, and that's why I say it's probably dangerous if you think this isn't something to take seriously. You're supposed to pray as a way of life. You don't ever really stop praying. A, how's, that, how's that possible? Well, back to what prayer is. Um, it's a very basic definition because prayer is basic, but, but let me say this I think talking to God is the most personal and practical expression of believing in God. See what I'm saying? Talking to God is the most personal practical expression of believing in God. I mean, you believe in God, right? I'm assuming that you all do, you may not, but I'm assuming that most of you believe in God. And if you believe in God, you believe that God is real. And therefore you believe that God is is present with you, that He's always with you. Surely you believe that. And if you believe that God is and that He is real and that He's always with you, then certainly you believe that He loves you and that He would listen when, when you pray. And I'm just saying if you believe all these things, then the most natural thing in the world is to talk to God. If you believe that He's real, if you believe that He's with you, then the most natural thing in the world is just to talk to Him. And so if in your life talking to God is just not the way that you live, then it really becomes an expression of your faith or or I guess we'd say your, your lack of faith. Lack of prayer, I would say, is always lack of faith. and and put it in in the opposite terms, to grow in prayer is to grow in faith. And and that's why as a congregation that really needs to grow, especially in this season of our life and mission together, then honestly, one of the ways, uh, the most important way that we need to grow is in prayer. So with that, go to James chapter five with me. James chapter five, verse 13. Practical, in some ways, familiar passage on prayer, but let's read together and see how the Lord will speak. James chapter five, verse 13, we're talking about becoming a people of prayer. Verse 13, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well, and if you have committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, The sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Talking about prayer. As I say, it's a familiar passage to me, probably some of you. When I read it and try to listen to it fresh, the first things I notice is just the way James calls us to pray as individuals. Are you suffering hardship? You should pray. I think we would all agree with that. I think most of us would say when we're suffering hardships, that's probably when we do our best praying. You know, we, we, we pray. And the idea is just very simply, you know, prayer is something that we do that you're supposed to do alone with God. It's, it's, it's your private prayer life. It's your personal relationship with Jesus. And you express that through prayer. You, you need to pray. You need to pray when you're alone. You need to pray earnestly from your heart, but, But then I noticed in the book of James how quickly that private prayer, you're suffering hardships, you should pray. But then notice how quickly that evolves into not just, you know, solitary praying by yourself. I think it's beautiful how very quickly it's, are you sick? Well, then you need to call the elders of the church and y'all need to pray together. So how quickly James begins to move from from that solitary prayer, praying by yourself, to, to praying with others. So understand, prayer is something you do alone with God. It's also something we do together with God. Prayer is something that you do alone, but prayer is also something that we're supposed to do together. You're supposed to pray with others As soon as I say that, somebody say, Pastor Tim, I I distinctly remember that Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet and close the door and pray in private, and Jesus did say that. But what Jesus said was, when you pray, Don't be like the Pharisees who like to pray on the street corner. They like to pray out loud. They like to pray long, rambling, poetic prayers. They like to dazzle you with their words. They like to impress you with their rhymes. And Jesus says, it's all for show. Don't pray like the Pharisees. Instead, when you pray, go into your closet, close the door, and your Father who hears you in private will answer and reward you. You Understand? So Jesus is not at that point saying you should never pray out loud with people, what Jesus is saying is you should never pray for show. You don't turn prayer into a show. So if you are praying in front of people, you still gotta understand you're talking to God, not people. You ever listen to somebody pray and you start realizing, okay, they ain't talking to God. Yeah, you know, like your mama ever been praying and then in the middle of praying, all of a sudden she starts saying, Lord, help these kids to clean their rooms. Help these kids to quit fighting and to listen to their parents. And you know, I mean? all of a sudden, you think, "Is she talking to? You? Is she talking to us? She talking to me?" Yeah, I'll be honest. Sometimes, like in the final prayer, like after the sermon, while I'm praying, I remember something I wish I'd said in the sermon. So I start trying to slip it in the prayer. And all of a sudden, y'all are like opening one eye, like, "Is he preaching again?" Is he? And God help me, that that, that is not what prayer is for. You don't pray for show. You don't pray in order to impress other people. You're talking to God. So the same Jesus who says, don't pray for show, go into your closet. Jesus also is the one who said, where two or three are gathered together in my name. Understand, I will be there in the midst of them. There is a greater promise of Christ's presence and provision when we pray together. We're supposed to pray Together, you pray with others. You pray by yourself, of course, but you also need to pray with others. Some of us would grow in our prayer life if we would add this component. If we would be obedient to learn to pray with others, that might be what your prayer life is missing. Jesus intended us to pray with others. As I say, Jesus said, We're two or three are gathered together. I mean, Jesus loves to bless us when we come together. Jesus also, we we talked about last week, when Jesus gives us the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, right? Jesus said, Pray in this way, pray like this. And then Jesus gave us these words Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Notice how all of the pronouns are plural. So, when Jesus gave us a prayer to pray, He gave us a prayer to pray together. It does not say, My Father who art in heaven. It does not say, Give me this day my daily bread. Now, it's about you. I'm not saying it's not, but the prayer that He gives us is one that we pray together. You with me? So prayer is something that Jesus fully expects that we will do alone, but also something that we will do when we are together. There's a greater promise of Christ's presence and provision when we pray together. So you need to pray with others. Somebody said, well, where do I start? Who should I pray with? Okay, let's just walk right through it. First, I think you need to pray with the ones you love the most. You need to be praying with the people that are closest to you, the ones you love the most. So if you live in a house with your family, you need to be praying with your family. Pray as a family. If you're married, you need to pray with your spouse. You need to be praying with your husband. You need to be praying with your wife. I've had couples in my office have been married 20 years and I suggest that they pray together and they look at me like I'm nuts. I've actually had people say, Pastor Tim, I think prayer is something that's a little bit too private. I don't think I could pray in front of my wife. I think that's personal. Personal. You've had five kids together. I mean, like, dude, you go to the bathroom with the door open. I mean, what in the world is personal? But, but all of a sudden, you can't pray with your wife because that feels personal. I'm, I'm telling you, it, it is something that your marriage needs. You need to be praying with your spouse. I, I, I love my wife, Casey. I love her in a thousand ways for a million things. But I wanna tell you, the most precious thing in the world to me is the sound of my wife's praying voice. I love when she talks to me, but I love to hear her talk to the heavenly father. I love to hear my wife pray and I hear her pray often and beautifully. You need to pray together. You really, really do. And some of you are, are, are Christian, You know, both of you are Christians. Understand it's very possible for two Christians to get married and not have a Christian marriage You have to share Christ together You have to pray together And you need to pray with your kids You need to pray out loud with your kids You just do in John chapter 11, there's a place where Jesus is praying and he's praying out loud to the father. And he says, okay, I'm praying out loud to you, Lord. It's not because I think you need to hear me. It's because I want other people to hear me talking to you so that they'll know that I pray and they'll know that you hear me pray, understand? And I think there's a practical wisdom to that. It, it, we'll talk to fathers first. I mean, I mean, dad, you need to pray out loud so that your kids know that you pray and so that they know that you know that God listens. I mean, they need to hear you pray. They've heard what you say when you golf poorly. And they've heard what you say, you know, when you run over a rabbit with a lawnmower. So maybe they need to hear your praying voice. They need to hear you pray, Dad. They really, really do. One day a man in our church had led in prayer and I saw his son in the hallway between service. I said, man, I loved hearing your dad pray. I loved your dad's prayer today. And this kid looked at me, y'all know, y'all know smart aleck kids. So this kid looked at me and said, I have heard that prayer a million times. Okay, my first thought was, you little punk, you know, (laughs) little punk. But actually, what I thought was good, you know, good. Kid says, I've heard my dad pray that prayer a million times. Good. That kid is blessed in ways he doesn't even know yet. I mean, he's got a praying dad. Uh, my mom and dad are here, y'all know my parents. Um, uh, when I lived at home with my parents, uh, a couple of things about them. The first thing is they made their bed every day. Like, like they make their bed before they get out of the bed <laughs> and the bed is made. <laughs> dad was in the army, you could bounce a quarter. I mean, it's, it's, it's a well-made bed. I can remember, I can remember as a kid walking past their bedroom and i look in their bedroom like this is later in the day and there'd be that perfectly made bed, perfectly made bed. I mean, you could bounce a quarter off of it. Don Harris makes a bed, y'all. Um, but then there would be these uh, dents, these dips, where they had been on their knees and had their elbows on that bed and they prayed together every day. Like they left you know marks on the bed. but they left marks on me. You need to pray with the ones you love the most. You, you, you need to pray. You need to pray with your spouse, you need to pray with your grandkids, you need to pray with your girlfriend, you pray with your boyfriend. I mean, you need to pray with the ones you love the most. And then you need to pray with people at church. I know that sounds like something I shouldn't even have to say, but but some of us we don't pray with friends at church. I mean, I know when the preacher says every head bowed and every eye closed, y'all all cooperate. Everybody seems to pray earlier in this service. You know, we all mouth the words of the Lord's prayer. I don't know how many of you were praying when you said those words because you can mouth words and not mean them. You can, you know, recite a prayer and and, and not even pray it. Your your heart, your mind could have been anywhere. I, I just don't know, but, but I'm just saying that this, this praying together is, is something that Jesus wants for us in, in the family. And, and, and there was a time when we did it more and when we did it better. And, uh, and we could blame COVID because COVID did a whole lot to ruin our prayer life together. I mean, we got to where we're too afraid of germs to get close enough to pray, you know, so we no longer formed circles and huddled up. I mean, you're afraid to breathe in a room with somebody, but we've got to come back to praying you all. I mean, it's not an option to hold our breath in the room together till Jesus comes. We've got to be praying together. We have to get back to that. We have to get back to coming to the altar. We have to get back to, you know, forming circles. We have to get back to just hearing one another pray. Some of you have never prayed out loud with another human being. you never prayed out loud at church and there's something wrong and brothers and sisters in Christ don't share that bond. We got to pray together. You need to have people in church, Christian friends that, that you trust enough to say, well, you pray with me, and then you actually pray together, and you come to the altar, and others come and, and huddle around you and pray. I mean, this is supposed to be the ordinary way of life, but it's not ordinary for us around here anymore. We, we've gotta come back to praying. We've gotta come back to praying together. The other thing I noticed in James's passage here is very simply, James fully expects that when people pray, something happens. Like, like things happen when people pray. He doesn't question that. He just sort of says it. Are you sick? You should come to the church and get the elders together and let them pray over you and anoint you with us so you can get well. I mean, that's what he says. Y'all need to be confessing your sins and praying together so you can be healed. I mean, James just expects this. It's just as plain as anything that you pray and God moves. Pray and things happen. Now, th- there's a... Guys, I'm going to make somebody mad when I say this because you're going to have this bumper sticker on your car. And, and, I, and if you do, okay. <laughs> but uh, there's like this slogan. It's been on bumper stickers, uh, T-shirts, Christian purses. I mean, it's just this slogan that bugs me. And it's not because I disagree with it, it's just, it's, it's just, I don't even know if people always would know what it, what it means. It's just that simple slogan that people say, put on bumper stickers, keychains. It, it, its It's just that slogan that says, prayer changes things. I, I think I know what you mean. I hope I know what you mean, but I'm afraid you don't know what you mean. But prayer changes things. It's like a lady I was talking to one day, and this lady was not a church lady. I don't know if she's a Christian, but she was talking about her health problems, and she went through this whole long list of things she had tried. And she said, I tried chromium. I don't don't know what that is. Is that like a supplement? I think chromium is like a a supplement. I think she bought it at Walmart. She tried chromium, and, and chromium worked, you know, she said. And then she realized I was a pastor, and she said, oh, and preacher, I have tried prayer. And it does work. I tried prayer and it does work. Also tried chromium. You know, milk of magnesia. It, it's that magical way that people talk about prayer sometimes. And, and and I need you to understand what prayer is and what prayer is not. It's not magic. I'm saying this because I think there are people who want to put their faith in prayer. Like prayer works, you know. So like, and don't do this, don't send this to me, but like the people who are like on Facebook, like you pray this prayer, you pray it five times, stand on one foot, and and then you send it to all your Facebook friends, and by the end of the day, you'll get blessings. Okay, don't send me that. I will not be praying it, stand on one foot, and I will not send it to my friends, and I will delete you. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's just that. Because all the same people saying pray this prayer and you'll get blessings are all the same people on our Facebook page that says they like weed. I mean, you know, it makes me question exactly the, the depth of their faith, because you remember, prayer is an expression of your faith. It's, it's an engagement of a relationship. Prayer's not magical. You don't say, this prayer, pray these magic words, and something good will happen to you unless you break the chain. Like, yo, that's insane. That's magical thinking, It's not that prayer works. Understand, God makes things happen in response to the prayers of his people. I would not say prayer works. I would say God works. I don't say that prayer changes things. I say God changes things when people pray. You understand the difference? Putting my faith in the God who hears me pray. I'm not putting my faith in praying because that's not how this works. Prayer's not magical on its own. It's not like, you know, power. I'm telling you, it is God who has the power, but if you want to connect with a powerful God, then you come to know him in prayer. God makes things happen in response to the prayers of his people. And so that's why James says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. God makes things happen when people pray. And so my hunch is some of you are are hearing me and you look like you agree with me, but inside you're asking yourself the question, but will God make something happen when I pray? You know what I mean? It's one thing to say, yeah, God makes things happen when people pray, but will God make something happen if I pray? The uh, Rich Pond Elementary Fall Festival I'm 57, I've probably been to, you know, 59 of them, you know, all my life. Rich Pond Fall Festival, the highlight of the thing for me, cause I'm really not much of an athlete. I can't do the, you know, shoot the basketball or anything like that. I can do the fish pond, <laughs> the fish pond takes no skill. You know how the fish pond works, right? Uh, it's like this, this screen, you know, sheet in the old days and uh, they put construction paper fish on it. Uh, You you pay your money, it's simple. You don't have to have any skill. You just give them the money. And then you got this fishing pole with a basket on it. Y'all done this, right? I'm not explaining something you don't know. Uh, Throw the basket over the the petition and then you wait, you know, and then they'll tug it and then you pull it back and you got your prize. Like it's the easiest prize you ever got in your life. You just, you know, fish and get a prize. Yeah, it's amazing. So, you know, when I'm in the fish pond, I'm all excited because I'm in the line, right? And I can see people getting prizes and that that gets me excited, you know? So here I am, I'm standing here and here's this dude and he gives his money, he drops his basket over, it comes back, he got a Bluetooth speaker, whoa! And I'm thinking, they're giving out Bluetooth speakers at the Fall Festival, he got a Bluetooth speaker! Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever seen anybody win something big? It's like, no! And I'm thinking, I can't wait, I can't wait. Next lady in front of me puts a basket over, comes back, Chick-fil-A gift card. She got a Chick-fil-A gift card. You know I'm thinking? Whoa, they're giving out Bluetooth speakers and Chick-fil-A gift cards. I put my basket over. I'm thinking, Bluetooth speaker, Bluetooth speaker. You know what I got? Those little dumb little Chinese finger handcuffs. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I get. That's how it always works for me. You know, everybody else is getting Bluetooth speakers, Chick-fil-A cards, and I'm going to get, you know, Chinese finger handcuffs. (laughs) Does it ever seem to you like that's how prayer works? In other words, other people, you know, God God gives them, you know, miracles. I've just heard people talk about prayer, and, and, you know, God just answers in a big way, and I just feel like he doesn't do that for you. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being really honest. You ever feel that way? You know, other people just pray. You know, they, they, you know, I prayed to God for a job, and then, you know, by lunchtime, I got a call, and I got a job. And just, that's great, but you ever just prayed and prayed and prayed, and it just looked like nothing happened? Well, like, you know, single girls when I mean, she prays, and God gives her a husband, boom, you know, and he's rich and handsome, and you've been single 900 years. Praying every day You know You know what I'm talking about It just seems like God's giving out Bluetooth speakers And Chick-fil-A cards To everybody but you And then when you pray I'll be really honest with you When when I pray Really needing God To come through In a big way for me My doubt My my fear Is always That God is going to Use this opportunity To teach me something You, You know You say amen, but you know that's not that's not what I wanted. You know, it's like everybody else is getting blessings, and I'm getting lessons. You know, I really want God to do something for me, but I feel like He's probably just going to take this moment and teach me patience or humility or whatever. Just wonder, you know, if God makes these things happen in response to the prayers of his people, will he do it for me? And this is exactly the attitude that James is talking about here. This is why James says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now I read that and I start taking apart because I want, I want to know power in prayer. So I read that and it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person. So that gives me two things. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe my prayers aren't earnest enough. Maybe I need to be more earnest, and I'm not sure what earnest even is, but I need to be more earnest, or or maybe more righteous, because it says the earnest prayer of a righteous person. So maybe somehow I'm falling short. Maybe my prayer's not earnest enough. Maybe I didn't say, you know, please enough. You know, God, please, 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 or I didn't cut myself and bleed, you know, so that God would know that I'm Earnest, you know. I, I, I just be honest with you. I don't see God up there listening to prayers in that way. I don't see God up in heaven, you know, like some sort of heavenly Simon Cowell, you know, who's criticizing your prayer and probably just going to give you, you know, the big red X, eh, you know, because you you didn't say pretty please with sugar on top. I mean, that's not how God listens to prayers. It's it's not about how earnest you can be. At the same time, it's not really about your righteousness. I I mean, you know, heads up, you're not righteous. Any righteousness you have at all, it comes from Jesus. And because of Jesus, you have all the righteousness of Christ, this is the promise of the gospel. The only access you have to God in the first place is because of Jesus and because God has given to you the righteousness that belongs to Jesus. So it's never gonna be a righteousness problem. Christ has given you his righteousness. So so understand, it's not about the praying itself. Don't rest your hope in your ability to pray. Pray. It's not about how earnest you can be or, or maybe if you were a better person. No, understand, you don't put your faith in prayer. You rest in God's faithfulness to answer. All of this is dependent upon Him, not upon you. It's not God you know. waiting for you to say the right words or want it bad enough. No, 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 God loves you. God longs to hear you pray. God is more eager to answer than you even are to ask. You really don't understand the heart of your Father but you don't rest your hope in your ability to pray, you rest your faith in God who answers. So understand what James is trying to say. Any ordinary believer, this is what he's saying, any ordinary believer can have an extraordinary prayer life. And when I say any ordinary believer, I mean you, you. Not talking about your grandma. Or you, like a better version of you, No, you can have an extraordinary prayer life. This is exactly what James is trying to say. That's what he means when he says, verse 17, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed, stuff happened. Like it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed fire from heaven. He was as human as you are. Now, I expect y'all a little bit like me. And I know in my head that Elijah was as human as I am. I don't question that. And it's the Bible, so it's perfect. I don't question that. I just want to say, James, if you want to talk about like a person as human as I am, why would you start with Elijah? Y'all you know I me? Mean? Like he's Elijah. Like if you want to talk to me about an ordinary human being, let's talk about the dude that greeted me at Walmart last Friday. That dude was human. Human as I am. You know what I'm saying? Easy to believe that he was human, but Elijah? I mean, yeah, I know he was human as I am, but th- that, that's such that's such a stretch. I, I mean, that's like me saying, you know, anybody can improve their looks with just a little dab of makeup. Take Dolly Parton. You know, it's like, whoa. You know, like, for, first off, like little dab of makeup, Dolly Parton? You know, ooh. Uh, James just like ghost an Old Testament prophet who called fire down from heaven and I'm supposed to think he's like me? Any ordinary believer can have an extraordinary prayer life. Uh, take Elijah, for example. Just human as you are. James is saying that there's nothing about Elijah that would somehow be unattainable for you if you wanna pray like Elijah prays. You know, God isn't like, ooh, you know, Elijah's praying now, you know, it's going to be a good one, you, you know. It's like you think that, like, if, if you really have a need, you need to get a bunch of champions of prayer praying, like all the old ladies at church, you know, who pray with Kleenex boxes and all of that so that, you know, you can get your prayer. Because you really don't know if God listens to you or not. This is what James is trying to say. Elijah, I mean, God moved when Elijah prayed, but there wasn't any difference between Elijah and you. He's human as you are, but can we, can we still just be honest about how Elijah's different from you? Because Elijah's different from you. I mean, he's human. But uh, let me just say this, and we'll back into it. Jesus can't do anything with your life until you commit yourself. Okay, I'll stop right there, because let's just do that. Jesus can't do anything with your life until you commit yourself. Elijah was as human as you, but Elijah was a very, very committed human. He was very committed to God. Elijah was so committed to God that he would stand alone and stare in the face the evil king Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel, and they spent most of their waking hours trying to kill him for nothing other than his faithfulness to God. So we're talking about an extraordinarily committed man. Elijah was as human as you, but he was a very committed human. Elijah, at one point he did, he prayed down fire from heaven. At that moment, he was standing by himself, facing down like 450 pagan, crazy priests of Baal. Understand, this is not a safe place for him. He's not praying or mouthing some sort of you know, easy prayer from a safe place. Elijah is praying from a very, very dangerous place and God answered, make no mistake, God answers with fire from heaven. Because if God had not answered with fire from heaven, Elijah himself would have been killed and everybody else in the whole nation would think that God was a joke, that God was a mockery. Oh yeah, God answered his prayer, but understand, Elijah, as human as you, he he was a very, very committed man. If you really wanna talk about what's different between Elijah and you, I don't know if we would start with his prayer life, I think we could just start with his life life. This man's different. And it's this commitment to God. It's the way in which he loves the Lord. It's the way in which he surrenders himself to God. If you want to talk about what makes him different, it's not that he's somehow, you know, not a human. It's just that this guy is really, really committed to God. You could be the same. This is what James means here. You could be the same. You can have the same kind of life, you can have the same kind of prayer life, but Jesus can't do anything with your life until you commit yourself to following him with tough choices in rough places. Tough choices, let's just be honest. Some of you don't make tough choices. It's always easy. If there's a choice to make, you're just gonna go with whatever it is you wanna do. Easy choice. You're just gonna do what you like to do already. You're gonna do whatever it is that gets you more money or whatever gets you more likes on Instagram, whatever it is that would somehow enhance you. I mean, you don't make any tough choices. You just always go with whatever it is that that's gonna somehow make you more comfortable. Don't make tough choices, rough places. You don't end up in any rough places. I mean, my goodness! If, if we put out a, like on Facebook that you know next Sunday the air condition's gonna be out, some of y'all will say, "Well, I'm I'm I ain't going to church. I ain't gonna sit there and sweat." You know, like you don't do rough places. We've had some plumbing issues, had some bathrooms out of order, and some of y'all like you know, Man, if I can't flush the toilet, I'm out of here. Yeah, we don't do rough places. I mean, just honestly. As I said before, I mean, half this church won't do mission trips because you say you can't eat foreign food. (laughs) See, the thing is, you keep wanting to pray, Jesus, take the wheel, you know, but you've never taken your spiritual life out of park. You want to say, Lord, lead God and direct me, but you don't have any intention of following him where he leads. So I'm saying you we'll won't talk about what makes Elijah different. He's as human as you are, but he is very committed to his God. when he talks to God, understand God moves, but understand when God talks, Elijah moves. the uh, earnest prayer of a righteous person is powerful as wonderful result. one more thing, uh, preaching this sermon today. I, Uh, As I said, I've read the passage a million times. I I really wanted to, I just wanted to preach with, I really wanted to preach with just fire today. So I was looking at verse 17 where it says, Elijah was human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly. So I thought earnestly, that must be the word. That's the key word right there. He prays earnestly. So what does that word mean? So I went back to my seminary days, like when I learned Greek, cause James writes in Greek. And so I looked up to, I wanted to find the Greek word that he uses there for earnestly. Cause surely there's some sort of deep spiritual magic in that word. And if I could unpack that word with you, if I could just tell you that earnestly comes from this Greek root and it means whoa, you know, that you would all go whoa. And we would all be praying earnestly at the end of the day. So, so I looked it up and y'all wanna know the word that he uses there for earnestly? Yeah, there's not a word for earnestly. Actually, what he does is something that, I don't know, you can't even really do, but he does it anyway. He just puts the word for prayer in twice. So what he actually says is, Elijah, he pray-prayed. Like, can you do that? Can you just say the same word twice? And It's not pray earnestly, it's just, I me mean, he he pray-prayed. What does that even mean? Well, um, like sometimes sometimes my wife will kiss me. You know what I mean? But she kissed me and what I really wanted was a kiss, kiss. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, mm, technically that was the definition, dictionary definition of a kiss. Like what you do with your lips, that was a kiss but I really wanted like a kiss-kiss. You know what I'm saying? Kiss-kiss. Elijah didn't just pray, y'all. He he prayed, prayed. He prayed, prayed. Elijah lived his life with God in such a way where, man, um, (laughs) something deeper came out of his prayer life, and there aren't really words for it. Just say, man, this man prayed, prayed. Well, it's just for a lot of us, that's that's what we're lacking. Whatever it is in your life that you call prayer, you, you, you need to pray, pray. Because the promise of scripture is that prayer of a righteous person is powerful. That if you're in hardship or happy or whatever the situation of your life, man, what you do is pray without ever stopping it. It's, it's a way of living your life. It's a whole way of being in the world. You just pray. So let's pray. Lord God, it's just the simplest thing. And for those of us who were raised by praying parents or who were raised in a church where people pray, prayed Lord, we're embarrassed how our lives are lived so prayerlessly and for that reason so powerlessly. God, will you teach us what what it is just to live our lives out of faith in such a way where we know that you're, you're real and that we know that you're with us. And for that reason, Lord, the most natural thing in the world is just to talk to you. All day, all night, Lord, because you're with us, but because of this relationship, Lord, because we're so dependent upon your presence and your love and your wisdom, Lord, just the most natural thing in the world is to talk to you. So Lord, help us to talk to you. Help us to talk to you in such a way, Lord, where we know that we know that we know that you hear, that not a single prayer we ever pray will go unanswered. Lord God, that as long as we live and as long as we pray, we'll never really be very good at prayer, but you will always be very good at giving us what we need. So help us, Lord, to put our faith in you and to exercise that faith every single day in this living, ongoing conversation with you, our Heavenly Father. We pray these things and all things in the name of Jesus. Amen.